Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I've been thinking a lot about savings lately. Oh, yeah? What have you been thinking about? Yeah, I thought uh, we should talk about, you know, what the point of savings is, what holds you back from savings or meeting your savings goals, um, how you can overcome those roadblocks that you might be having, all that good stuff. Sounds great. Let's jump in. Cool. So why save? What's the point? What's the point? Of putting any money away? <laughs> for me specifically, that's a huge question to start off with. But for me specifically, I think there's a financial security piece to it. I don't ever want to feel like I can't pay my rent or my mortgage or put food on the table. So I think that's probably where it started. When I look at kind of my relationship with money over the course of the number of years that I've been interested in personal finance, I think maybe now it's turned a little bit into a healthy obsession with amassing a bit of wealth. And I think, you know, focusing on what I'll have and living the life I want in retirement and I guess even before retirement. So I guess that's what it is for me. Yeah. And I I feel same. Um, And I think that's a really good place to start, like financial security and then wealth building and then sustainability, you know, maintaining your lifestyle, finding happiness, allowing the money that you've put away to buy you more time for the things that you love to do. And I think there can also be like a do good piece of it. Money for good or for bad makes the world go round and having more of it means you can, I guess, make more decisions or vote with your dollars more. So whether that's, you know, supporting a local charity or uh, purchasing a building or, you know, whatever your legacy is going to be, I think, and I mean, maybe, maybe you create a scholarship. I think you have more accessibility when you are more wealthy and you have more mm-hmm. money. Yeah. More influence for sure. Definitely. And I think for me, if I were to have that type of influence through money or clout or whatever, um, I would like to dismantle the whole voting with your dollars thing. I would like to make it a little bit more equal playing field for everybody. That's curious. Hmm. Let's let's chat about that for a second. Cool. So I'm always of the opinion that if you're you're going to support a business, to me that's what voting with your dollars is. So I'm not going to buy in our household we don't buy a lot of meat or really any meat. So to me voting with my dollars is, you know, paying for some of those more plant-based products and I mean mm-hmm. The same can be said for, you know, ethical clothing and all of that. So why why do you want to dismantle that? Because I feel like those that are least well off, most marginalized, don't get a choice when that's what we're doing. When that's the only way we're influencing this, they don't get an option. As much as somebody who's on minimum wage, living paycheck to paycheck, living close to the line or below it, they don't have the option of buying ethical clothing. They don't have the option of eating organic necessarily. I know costs are becoming more aligned and everything like that. But they're not the ones that get this choice. 
they don't get consumer choice. That's a very fair point and something I hadn't really thought about, but. But they should get a vote. For sure. So how do we rectify that? If it's not going to be voting for your dollars, what is it? I think having more people have a say in, I mean, this is not a political podcast, but larger um, political movements, uh, political involvement, making it maybe more affordable to be a politician. Yeah, that that is definitely something that I think a luxury kind of of the, the well-off or the rich is being a politician. So that's really interesting that that's kind of how this came about mm-hmm. from from why do you save to how do you vote with your dollars or is that even something that's sustainable for the long term that's gonna I feel like the episodes that I script are going to go down this path so we'll bring it back I like it I like it <laughs> the point of saving so let's say you've never saved you just get your money you spend it on rent you spend it on food you spend it on clothes you like what you have it's great why would you even bother and we just talked about that Your money today is worth more than your money will be tomorrow. So why bother? And so I think it's the importance of setting up that step one, financial security net, right? You can call it emergency fund. You can call it whatever you want. But at the end of the day, when stuff happens and you find yourself in a bind, it is much better to be able to pull funds out of a saving account or out of something else that's pretty liquid, pretty accessible, and just be able to pay that without having to worry about interest or long-term payments or how this is going to affect your credit. Um, It's just way better to have that money in the bank. Well, and it takes time if you need to apply for a loan. You don't get it the same day. So being able to use your funds for something maybe bad that happens is kind of like peace of mind in a sense. Mm -hmm. And Bringing it back to like more of a social thing too, I do think saving is a bit of a luxury. It's not an opportunity that's afforded to many people. So if you have the opportunity to save, please do. Because you're just making your life better. And by making your life better, I think you can make the people around you, their lives better as well. For sure. And again, this isn't a political podcast, but people making minimum wage or, you know, teens that now apparently are going to make less than minimum wage, $13 an hour. And they won't have access to credit. Yeah, exactly. So if they're self-supporting, oh man, that sucks. But $15 an hour is like 30 grand a year. Like you're not saving on that. No, not if you're, not if you're on your own. If you don't have a good support network. Exactly. That's what I mean. Um, if you're trying to pay your rent and pay for yeah. your food. Like if your parents were also on minimum wage, if you don't have parents, like yeah, exactly. who, who or they else do you have? Yeah, it's tough. And so... I think Tara made a really good point that if you have the privilege of saving, definitely take advantage of that and start, you know, building some wealth so that you can, you know, pay it forward. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. That's uh, that's that. If you want to go at it from uh, from a little bit of a different angle, you get bragging rights because if you want to look at like, well, I don't want to save because I want the newest whatever iPad. Which are super expensive, by the way. I was yeah, doing I research, and they're like over a thousand dollars. I was like, "Part of me." I feel like net worth, positive net worth. That is an amazing bragging right to have. That is such a good sign. Part of a good sign of a healthy financial picture. Do you think? I know you're supposed to be the one asking the questions, but do you think you only get to brag kind of like internally to yourself? Because, in a sense. And I know we talked about this last episode. You don't see the financial 
means of other people. You don't see if they have $500,000 in the bank. Yeah. But now you do because last week you went and you talked to your friends about it. And now you're all going to cheer each other on and have a little, I don't know. Net worth party. Net worth party. Yeah. And like, it'll be great. It'll be so good. And I feel like a lot of people in our generation, and we'll just out ourselves as millennials right now, if you couldn't tell, um, here we are eating avocado toast as we speak. Um, (laughs) We're actually drinking champagne. So I don't know. There's maybe an avocado in the fridge that we could go grab. But uh, You grow avocados, right? I did, and then they all died. Oh, that's unfortunate. They didn't make it through the winter. Ooh, Next time. Yeah, I don't Round know. Round two. I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe if I moved to Mexico. Our generation, we're coming out with high student loans if we don't have these big support networks. And let's just assume that we don't. Let's assume we're average. We don't have people paying for our schooling. We don't have that kind of thing. We're making less. Um, you know, our incomes haven't increased. We're in debt more for the same level of schooling. So we're coming out starting in the workforce with negative net worth, sometimes huge negative net worth. So anytime you can kind of chip away at that and make it a positive, I think that's great. I think that's a huge win. And I feel like you should be celebrating that with your friends. Absolutely. I think we should implement net worth celebrations. If you hit a hundred thousand dollar net worth or even a $10,000 net worth, you should go buy a bottle of bubbly and celebrate with your friends. And Hopefully you have a network of people that are going to celebrate the fact that you hit that net worth. Yeah. I will celebrate. If somebody started off with negative, I don't know, $50,000 and today they have negative $40,000, I will celebrate that. Absolutely. I may not celebrate that with champagne because that doesn't make good financial sense, but I will celebrate that. And so for our listeners who maybe don't know what net worth is, um, we'll go through a really quick crash course in net worth. Very basically, it's assets minus liabilities so money you have less money you owe is a positive or negative do you owe more than what you have or do you have more than what you owe and in that sense you want to take into account things that are assets or things you own not just cash so investments Mm -hmm. GICs uh, Mm -hmm. ETFs mutual funds your house I guess can be considered part of your net worth it can be. I don't know how many times you want to go through and look at the market value of your house. I tend to exclude it. Mine is just at cost. Vehicle, I don't love no, as part of I your don't. net worth. But if you have a, a car that maybe could be resold, maybe you do include it. Do you though? Because it's going to be resold at a loss. So again, that's just a lot of work for you to go through and say, my car depreciated this much this year. Just take it off. Absolutely. That could be easier. But if you were trying to paint maybe a more rosy financial picture, you might consider including it in at the cost you could resell it. So um, like using like Kelly's black book or blue book or whatever I mean again I'm super on the fence about the car being part of the net worth but um other things that you would want to include in your liabilities or what you owe would be mortgages student loan debt credit card debt if you have a personal loan to maybe a family member or a friend you definitely want to include that in there as well it should be interesting to you if you do have a car and a car loan to look at the amount of your car loan versus what your car is actually worth six months or a year later. Yeah, the net amount. Yeah, they don't tend to hold their value. Even if you get a classic car, friends, please don't. Please don't think of that as an asset. Yeah, I, I think cars depreciate, I think it's 20% as soon as you drive them off the lots. It's a mode of transportation. It's A to B. So whether or not you include that in there, you can. 
for sure. Um, we could actually maybe post something about like what a typical way to calculate net worth is and what should and should not be included just from like very standard the way, um, you know, a bank or anyone would do it in that sense. Um, but basically what you're looking for is uh, for a positive because as soon as you have a positive, that means you have some kind of buffer. As that buffer amount or your net worth increases, you're just going to have more financial stability and feel less stressed about money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I love that. I feel my point of what it, what is your point of savings? The point of savings, positive net worth. And I think it's important to note that this isn't something that you should obsess about on like a monthly basis either. I mean, I might calculate it on a monthly basis, but I'm an do accountant. Do you still really? I do. I love the 30th of every month because I just like to go and check everything. But I think as long as it's on an increasing trajectory, maybe quarter over quarter, I think would be a good um, time to check it or every six months. Yeah. And I think if you're in a good spot, you could check it annually. Like it's not like if if you're already set, you kind of know. You that's, know what that's your number true. is. That's true. That gives me anxiety thinking about that. I'm like, I need to check it every month. And sometimes I do a mid-month calculation just because I'm crazy. But you don't have to do it that often either. But if you want to. It's whatever makes you feel good. So if you're at like a huge negative net worth um, and it gives you anxiety to calculate this every month, by all means, please don't. Yes, please do not <laughs> drive more you stress know, into your life. Just kind of have it as like a good to know. And pick a goal, pick a target, pick a realistic thing and make that your goal. It might yeah, still work, be in the negative in five years, it. but like that's still great. It's, it's exactly, it's that trajectory. So the next piece about savings that I wanted to touch on were common roadblocks um, specifically faced by women. What is something that we as women or those who identify as women face that maybe others do not um, Yeah. So I think the first one that I kind of wanted to talk about was the wage gap. Huge. It exists. Regardless of why you think it exists, I don't think that we need to necessarily delve into that today, but it's there. People have studied it. It is there. It's a thing. What I actually found out recently was in Edmonton, Alberta, which is where Tara and I both lived for a period of time, It's actually really bad there. It's like 69 cents to the dollar. And I found that so interesting. And I think it is due to how much blue collar work there is there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, women in construction. And that is such a roadblock to being able to save. Mm -hmm. If you earn less money, of course you're going to save less money. Yeah. And, and... At the same time, too, you're going to do less with the money that you save because it costs more for you. It's a higher percentage of your income. You have saved up a higher percentage of your income than somebody else. And even if it's the exact same dollar value, that means a lot more to you than it means to somebody else. Um, And you're not going to take the same risks. And if you don't take the same risks, you're not going to see the same returns, unfortunately. Yeah. And one thing that I found very interesting when I was doing some research on the wage gap is the wage gap obviously kind of perpetuates into the savings gap, but then they take it one step further and it perpetuates, like you said, into taking less risk with your money because you have less of it or it's a bigger percentage of your income and it becomes an investment gap. Mm -hmm. And so now it's not just a wage gap. It's the fact that women are affected threefold when it comes to building wealth. Yeah. So pretty depressing. Yeah. Sorry, Um, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's but it's real, right? I mean, we're not here to like sugarcoat this and say, oh yeah, totally. Like we're gonna look at us at the same rate as you know, buddy who's earning a ton in like tech. It's not where most of us work. It's just not. And as soon as something becomes women's work, the pay goes down. So we'll get to overcoming these roadblocks, but this is this is a huge one. This is by and large, like systemically, I think the hugest factor into why women um, have problems saving. I would 100% agree. And it seems impossible sometimes to fight this, but I think acknowledging it and talking about it and if there are any men listening, you know, being advocates mm-hmm. for women in this space is something that you can do yeah. today. Yeah. Be a sponsor for the women in your life. Be a sponsor for your female coworkers because... Make sure they're being need- paid the same. Yeah. And you need to be their voice in the room when people are talking about bonuses and who's doing a good job and who needs to be promoted um, and being paid a comparable salary. Absolutely. For the work it's do. such a huge piece of the financial picture for women, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's also a strange assumption too. Something that I've like felt in the workforce is that it doesn't really matter what you get paid because you're married and I assume your husband earns a lot. So like, couldn't we just pay you less? Oh, really? That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> yeah. And yep, that's it. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have either been oblivious to it or have not come across that. But I also feel like I have quite the strong personality. So if anyone ever kind of alluded to that, I'd probably, well, I would tell them where to go is what I was going with that, that thought. But actually now that I think back to where I worked prior to where I work now, I remember this one person always being like, well, you have a husband. So, you know, you have two incomes and it's like, so what? Sure. And I would love if I could do this one day, I would absolutely love if I could take off some of the burden from my husband. He is a high income earner because he is a higher income earner than I am um, due to a lot of factors. But I would absolutely love if I could take that off his shoulders. Like, why? Why would you assume that I don't want to do that? How dare you? Why would you also assume that you make less? Like, regardless of whether or not you do. Oh, yeah, that's a weird assumption, too. I faced this super early on um, in one of my first jobs. It was not a career thing, but it was a job um, that I was doing while I was in school. Um, And one of the people that started working with me at the same time um, she was getting back into the workforce her husband was a very high income earner and somebody mentioned something and she just said straight away she's like this is my career this is my time I'm going to have it she was you know 30 years my senior and she's like this is what I'm doing I'm serious I'm not going anywhere so you better get used to it and I really loved that attitude good for her yeah it was great and she just like put it right out there in the open with everybody there's not enough women that do that and I think because it is you know can come across the wrong way to men makes men uncomfortable or whatever but I think if we you know push for that hopefully it will start to solve some of those problems around savings and and the wage Mm -hmm. gap Mm -hmm. definitely the next two things I wanted to talk about are kind of like intertwined so higher expenses we pay more hence the (laughs) 
the title, The Pink Tax Podcast. Like we, there are certain things and a bunch of really dumb stuff that we just pay a premium for. It's ridiculous. My husband was just at the shoppers to pick up deodorant. And first off, my deodorant comes in a smaller package Mm -hmm. than his does, like a smaller amount. And mine is like $3 more than his. He's like, your deodorant is $8. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. It's because it's pink. Yeah. I don't want to be smelly, but. Well, would you ever consider buying like unscented men's? You know, I've never thought about that. But when I see like stuff like this, like the cost difference, sometimes I do think about, actually, no, I do have a men's razor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the pink razors are so much more expensive. And not great. No. Oh my God. Not worth it. Not at all. I don't understand. Like whoever is making these things, if you're listening here today, please stop. It's the patriarchy. Let's be (laughs) The whole thing. (laughs) Stop it. Please stop. No one likes it. We see what you're doing. Um, Yeah. So all these three things together, we're paying more for the same stuff by and large. Um, That's going to put us in a position to be higher consumer debt because we have to be. Because we don't earn as much. For sure. It's just like a perfect vortex storm. Mm-hmm. So, and I think another thing too is like from what I've seen in my social circles is we tend to talk sp- about spending mm-hmm. more than we do about saving or investing. And I think we've talked about this before as well, even in the workplace. Yeah. My thoughts on that and around like this like drives me nuts, but women being like, I don't want to say ditzy, but kind of ditzy in, you know, what they are spending their money on or that they don't want to worry about money at all. Or, you know, the argument is, well, I'm not good at math. I think, you know, perpetuating the fact that we spend so much like, oh, I bought this like Louis Vuitton bag. Not that there's anything wrong with Louis Vuitton. If you want to buy it, you do you. If you can. If you can, for sure. But I think we are so focused as women on like, oh, you look so cute in that dress or you look whatever. Whereas I do work with a lot of men and they're all like probably late 40s, early 50s. And the things I talk about with them are, you know, what investments are you looking at? Mm -hmm. And they bring it up to me. I would find more so than not with females. It is more around, you know, what you bought or what you're wearing. And if you got a deal on it too, like rather than talking about like, I decided not to buy this thing and I decided to get this kind of return on my, um, on my investment, or I decided to go down this road or this is what I'm thinking of in the future. Uh, Yeah. I've, been in conversations with so many men where they're talking about like, I want to start this business. I want to do this. I want to invest here. Friend of a friend of a friend is doing this. They've started this strategy, whether or not I agree with them. Sometimes of course they're fine to talk about it. They don't have, they don't hold anything back. They don't care if it sounds silly. They're like, yeah, why not? So where do you think that stems from? Are we just more as females uncomfortable about talking about that stuff or is it just expected of us? I don't know. I mean, we we could look at it kind of historically, but I mean, talking about the pay gap too, we have a lot more riding on this, right? We don't necessarily have the freedom off the hop in terms of income to be able to make risky decisions. Um, and when people talk investments, sometimes they do talk high risk. They just kind of go there right off the bat. Um, 
and then I think too, we, we do hit on the imposter syndrome quite a bit, not just in our careers, but with this thinking, well, I'm not really that good at it. I haven't had as much experience. Well, probably neither has that 20 year old guy who's talking about it, but he's going for it. And you should too. Talk about what you know, as much as you know, you, you probably know more than you think you do. 100%. And, you know, when someone's investing in a friend of a friend's business, I mean, obviously you should always do your research, but you should look into that and you should be, if it's something you're excited about, talking about it. And I think we do need to change, and I think we're doing an okay job of it, but we need to continue to work to change how we speak as women because sometimes I think we're taken less seriously because all we're focused on is like a pair of cute shoes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And men spend quite a bit on their shoes, I have to say. Like they're, they don't hold back there either, but it's not the central point. And yeah, it's, it's not, not their it's, talking point. Yeah, and it's not kind of expected to be their central point. Like they're not going to spend 20 minutes talking about their shoes and nobody would expect them to where we're kind of directed that way. We're socialized in that way, I think. And it's not that you can't talk about those things. I don't want to make it seem like we're telling women like don't ever talk about things you've bought, but I think there's a healthy mix and don't be afraid to be in those conversations. Yeah, jump be- in. Because yeah, you maybe you are not taking those risks because you are feeling like imposter syndrome is something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, jump in, learn more, ask questions or start the conversation too. Um, it can only be a positive for you. Either you learn that the person you, if they take it negatively, you learn that the person you're talking to is not somebody that can be on your financial journey with you. Um, that's worst case scenario. Yeah. Only good things can come of that otherwise. Right. Um, So the other thing that I wanted to talk about too, as well as like the spending thing too, like talking about what we buy, even when I buy a nice purse, I always tell people how long it took me to save up for it. It was a weird thing that I would do for a really long time. I would say I would save up. um, People would be like, I really like that purse. I'd be like, yeah, I saved all year to buy this purse that I really liked or like this particular brand because they usually didn't have the same one anymore. And I waited until the Boxing Day sale to pick it up. So that like delayed gratification gratification yeah and like I had no problems doing that and what was people's response to that they think I'm totally weird Mm. Mm -hmm. it was like I was just complimenting you like just take it and go but I like to explain I think that's important though again weaving money into those conversations and making it so that people understand that it's not something that you can sometimes just go out and buy on a whim. Like, let's say you do want a Louis Vuitton purse and it is $2,000. Maybe you do need to save up all year for that. And you should be proud of the fact that you saved up for that. Thanks, I saved $2,000 over the course of a year for this purse that I'm really proud I'm going to own and be a yeah. badass bitch. Are we allowed to start yeah. on this podcast? I think we should. I think I've done it a couple of times. Okay. Like, I think we've already, we've gone down that road. Okay, we're well, just going to have to put now. a little E on this. Yeah, no, it's fine. And I like, like, for me, it's a point of pride to not carry that kind of stuff on my credit card. The next thing I wanted to talk about, which I just thought of today, was the other roadblock is that we're really busy. Ladies are really, really busy. Um, We have 
different kind of social expectations. Um, we're usually the planners. Even if you don't have kids yet, you're usually one doing the event, like running the show, planning the Mother's Day for your mom or the Father's Day for your dad, even if you don't have um, a family yet. You're if you do bummed. have a family, oh Lord. Yeah, no, there's a lot. There's like a high level of emotional labor. Um, you're expected to be the primary caregiver. Um, basically... Everything that comes with having a uterus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so how can we overcome these? So we'll like start at the top, the pay gap. Talk about it. Talk about your salaries. Um, do and whatever you can. And encourage men to be part of those conversations mm-hmm. and, you know, give them, I guess, a high five or a thumbs up or a good job when they do participate in those conversations, yeah. that positive reinforcement. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people say like, well, why are you like rewarding them with a cookie for doing like the basic thing? It's like, because they didn't know it was the basic thing. So just like, for sure, at least give them a high five, like, come on. Or thank them. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that thanking people for doing the right thing is always the good thing to do from from a decent human being standpoint. Exactly. You don't have to throw them a party, but yeah, high five is fine. Um, the other thing I've got that too is know your value. Know that you are doing good work, even if you are in like uh, a women uh, heavy field, a heavy industry, like it's HR is huge. You know, there's a lot of women in HR. It doesn't matter. Like just know your value. If you're um, working with a lot of men, know your value. Know that you're doing the same amount of work and that you deserve the same amount of money or more because maybe you're awesome. Um, you and I are. think on that note, one way to start to understand that if maybe you're not at the point where you feel like you can have that conversation about what people are making, use sites like Glassdoor to yeah. start to understand what HR professionals are being paid in mm-hmm. your field. If we're going yeah. with that example, I think there are so many great resources out there that start to share what people are making and give you the confidence to speak up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's just 100% agree with all those suggestions. Um, and then the higher expenses, ask more of the companies that you are purchasing from or buy men's stuff. I've been buying men's stuff for years. Most people don't notice. I mean, it's the same formula. It's the same stuff, but not pink. Well, I mean, do you really need pink body wash? I don't know. I do not. Lavender is lavender. Vanilla is vanilla. Yeah. You just go unscented, too. That, yeah. It's like, there's yeah, so many options. Most stuff probably isn't very scented. Well, some of it is. My husband's stuff, it's, I like it. But I could not use his stuff. I buy Fair. other men branded stuff. Um, a huge one for me too, because I have a daughter. I buy her stuff from the boys section. Cheaper, less sequins, so it lasts longer. And it has pockets. Why there's not pocket equality among the, the toddler um, age group is beyond me. Um, they all like rocks. Above, they need pockets. Above that... Hi, I also would like pockets as a 28-year-old female. Mm-hmm. I need pocket equality, please, too. Please put pockets in our clothing. I think there needs to be a hashtag of pocket equality. We should look and see if there is. Like, I feel like this is already a thing. We just need to make it more of a thing. For sure. So um, you should use the hashtag pocket equality. Okay. We'll use it for this 
episode. Um, yeah, and then to companies as well, like make gender neutral stuff. Just please, please. That's one thing when we talk about body wash and all that good stuff, we actually order Dr. Bronner's is mm-hmm. the brand we use. It's a little bit cleaner. There's like no parabens, all that good stuff. But we use one scent that we both like. Yeah. And it's like very highly concentrated, so it lasts a super long time. But yeah, I think that's kind of something that we should be demanding from companies is that mm-hmm. it, it is gender neutral and it can be used for both individuals in the relationship. Yeah. So yeah, so those are a few things. I think the biggest ones that you could like do tomorrow is your social circle. Um, have a really supportive partner. That's super important. Investments aside, the person that you chose, you choose to spend the rest of your life with and potentially raise a family with, that's the most important person. If they're not invested in you and if they're not supporting you, like just please drop them. Not worth it. And one thing my husband always says that I have had resonate with me over the years is you can't expect more from your boss than you do of your partner. So you can't expect your boss to, you know, pay you equally if you aren't even asking your partner to treat you equally at home. Yeah. Like I, I feel so lucky every day. Um, Don't say lucky. I got called out for that once. Why? Because you chose that kind of a partner. You made that decision to choose a partner that treats you equally. You're not lucky. You made that decision. I'm going to think on that. I'm appreciative every day that my husband is the person that he is. And I'm not saying that you can't be appreciative. I'm just saying lucky means like you Mm. stumbled into it. Well, I did have a really bad string before I found him, so... Right, but you didn't choose to marry any of those people. Oh, of course not. I would rather have lived alone. I, Before meeting my husband, I was 100% thinking that I was going to be in my little bachelor apartment with a few cats for the rest of my life. There was not a lot out there. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> because he is who he is... Um, you know, it's, it's just amazing. Um, feel totally supported with our kids. I don't feel that I have borne more of the brunt of the emotional labor in regards to raising our child. I don't feel that I've, uh, carry more of the burden in so far as household tax tasks go. And even though he makes more money than I do, um, he's first call on the daycare list. And we've told him that a couple of times, like he has more flexible work hours. So you need to call him first. Yeah, um, so that's super important. Your friends, your your family as well, like getting them on board and supportive of you. And uh, then, yeah, value yourself. Um, if you see these behaviors of overspending um, or trying to keep up with the person that makes a lot more than you, um, take a step back, reevaluate. Um, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was about mindfulness. So getting into the nitty gritty of what you can do personally for yourself. Um, I like to talk about my savings strategy and my savings mentality as value-based savings and value-based spending. I don't like spending money on something that's not creating a positive change in my life. That's not bringing value to me in some way, shape, or form. What do you think about money as status like what do you think is the best tip you could give to somebody who feels like they need to wear their wealth I think my advice always comes back to balance and what I mean by that is I don't think it's wrong to want a nice car or wear a Louis Vuitton purse poor Louis Vuitton they're getting so much hate today Mm -hmm. or wear an expensive watch 
if that makes you feel good and makes you feel like you've made it. But again, I think you need to have moderation. So for me, I don't think that I would be able to spend that much unless I knew I was in a place financially that would allow that. And I think the other thing that I've tried to use time and time again over the past decade is delaying that gratification. And I've used you know fintech like Coho to slowly save for things I want. And I actually find sometimes by the time I've saved up, you know, a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars or something, I don't actually want it anymore. Yeah. So I think taking that step back, if you are someone who constantly wants to purchase status items, might allow you to see things maybe a little bit more clearly or find that, you know, marketers do a really good job and they make us want things and if we can take a step back we might not actually want it in a month or a year and you might be able to take that money and then like invest it yeah or or spend it on something that you do find that has value to you if you're into calculating things also understanding how much it's going to cost you Mm-hmm. on a per hour basis. Yes. So not just I make $20 an hour, therefore it's going to take me X number of hours to save or to work for it, but mm-hmm. taking into account what you make from a disposable income standpoint. So maybe by the time you pay your rent, pay your groceries, pay your utilities, blah, 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 you're mm-hmm. left with about $5 an hour worth of money for disposable income, how many hours is it actually going to take you to work for that? And that calculation is huge when you think about, you know, something that is $5,000, what that's going to cost you and what, how long that's going to take you to save. So I think when you take a look at it from that standpoint, people sometimes realize like, oh, wow, maybe this isn't worth it. Or maybe I could spend my money on something more interesting or better for my lifestyle. A lot of our commentary a lot of our conversation on savings hasn't been about like don't spend money on coffee or don't spend money on avocado toast because at the end of the day it's your personal finances in my opinion girl knows i love my avocado toast (laughs) i'm not avocados are delicious i'm not giving it up no way um and i still was able to buy a house so there you go yeah because the things that you cut out of your budget it depends on what that means to you and it depends on the percentage of your income and the things that you spend your money on. Again, it's up to you personally um, and it's a percentage of your income and it's a percentage of your fun money, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, I think really looking at what adds value to your life. For me, like the example I always use is purchasing lunch. I swear lunch downtown at like a fast food place or the poke bowl place or whatever is always like 15 to 20 Mm dollars by the time you get a drink and for me like yeah sometimes I am lazy or I've just come in from out of town so I don't have time to pack my lunch but most of the time I do and I think my husband and I have always taken the approach that we would rather put you know that if it was 20 dollars $100 a week towards Mm -hmm. eating out and having a nice dinner with a nice bottle of wine because that's something we can do and enjoy together as opposed to like half the time the salad that you get from Santerra is like very subpar. And the other thing that I wanted to kind of touch on was um, 
this term financial independence. Now I haven't been in like the personal finance world as long as you have. So how often have you heard this term financial independence? I was super confused when I heard it. Every day. Every day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are your thoughts? It's such an interesting term because I think it can mean so many different things to different people. Like there's this whole community of fire where it's like financial independence, Mm -hmm. retire early. But all those people do is like scrape by and save Mm -hmm. every dollar they've ever made. And then I think it's so that they can retire early and continue to live that in a sense. And sorry if there's anyone listening that is a fire, but like shitty lifestyle. Like you're barely scraping by. You can't afford to go on vacation. All you can do is just like stay in your house. And for me, that's not what financial independence would be. Mm -hmm. To me, financial independence is being at the point where my investments are generating enough income to sustain me. And I don't have to worry about changing the lifestyle I'm living when I maybe retire or if I choose to take a step back from work or if I choose to take on more of a volunteer role or a lower salary to do something I love. So that's, I think, what financial independence is to me. It's not about who can retire first. It's, I guess, who can sustain themselves for the longest period of time. So our little uh, pink tax rebate for the week for you um, is one sort of high return on uh, effort savings action that you can do today, and it's not giving up your coffee or avocado toast for you. It's thinking about really sort of self-reflection. Is money about security or status for you? Really think about it um, without shame, without judgment, without anything like that. Accept where you are and figure out where you want to be. And then I would say find one social obligation where you can spend less or make money from it. Or if you're more of a status person, maybe start going into like a lower tax bracket, like comparing yourself to a lower tax bracket for a little while, um, rather than comparing yourself to everybody on Instagram. That might be helpful. Let us know. Let us know what's helpful to you. So just take this away. Um, Think about what money means to you and if it's security or status and where you are and where you want to be. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to share your money story using the hashtag FemFinances.